Hello, everyone. Hi. My name is Trevor, and I'm really glad to be with you guys tonight. I actually was on staff with CSOC from summer, let's see, when was that? 2015, no, 2014, to summer 2017. So I did what Chris did, and I thought I saw Rodney, Rodney here, and some other staff members. So I'm glad to be back. I've now been working a secular job for about eight months now. <laughs> but my real work is the building up of the church. Yeah. My real job title is a priest in the priesthood. Amen. Not a geotechnical engineer. That's my real job title. But I do recognize a lot of faces. Um, good to see some familiar faces. And of course, great to see new faces. Who all is, is here for the first time tonight? Raise your hand. Welcome, man. There you go. Welcome. There you go. Welcome. All right. Now, did I, I saw three-ish people over here. Your first time? Okay, great. And do we have any other first-timers over in this section right here? All right. Well, we're really happy you guys are here. Um, does everybody have an outline before we jump into things? Raise your hand if you don't. Give my man CK an outline right here. Um, anybody else over here? Raise your hand if you do not have one. All right, excellent. Well, there's some missing information on your sheet, if you haven't already noticed. So I highly recommend the pen so you can have all the information. You can Amen. fill in the blanks. Highly encourage note-taking. All right, so if you notice the top of the title, it's experiencing Christ as the peace offering for, and then there's a big blank right there. There's a big blank, and we'll come back to this later. And a quick recap for the first-time visitors. Again, we're very happy that you, you are here. We've been diving into Leviticus, and what the first portion of Leviticus presents to us is all these different types of offerings that are tremendous. Um, you just get into it on a surface level. It's like, man, why are we talking about all these animals and there's like this bread and this cake and like talking about how they're supposed to be skinned and cut up and burned and things like that as offerings to God. But what's behind the scenes, what's the spiritual revelation behind that picture is that actually Christ, who is the real Lamb of God, is the reality of all those offerings. And Christ, as the reality of all those offerings, solves all of our problems in relation to God and in relation to one another. So we've been journeying through these offerings, and tonight we come to Christ as the peace offering for... And then we'll get to it, okay? So before jumping into the content of the message, I just want to give you guys a heads up about something, okay? This content tonight that we're getting into, it's not easy to deliver. And you'll see as we get into it. And I just want to give you guys a heads up, too, that it's going to be a little abrasive. Okay? So just prep yourself. And if you find something that I share kind of rubbing you the wrong way, that's okay because it's probably going to be rubbing me the wrong way. So we're all in the same boat. All right? But sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we need to have some internal friction that causes us to wrestle with the Lord so that the Lord can gain more ground in our being and take Amen. us on in our personal relationship with Him and then our, our corporate going on in our Christian life 
in the community of the believers, the body of Christ, okay? So just prep yourself, all right? I may rub you the wrong way a little bit, but trust me, it's out of love and care that you would go on with Christ and in participating in God's eternal purpose, okay? All right, the outline is very simple, just three points, and it flows really nicely, I think. So hopefully we can all track the progression of, of how we move forward. So the first point here, let's read it together. Ready, go. Okay, and let's, uh, let's read these three snippets of these verses here, just back to back to back. Ready, go. The good pleasure of his will, the church which is his body, yeah, there we go. Okay. We have to hit this point first, this matter of God's desire, because if we don't hit this point, the main burden, the main thrust of tonight's message is meaningless and purposeless. If we don't have this reality in the universe, the reality that God has a heart's desire, that there's something burning within him that he wants to accomplish, that there's a longing in his heart that he wants satisfied, if, there's, if we don't have that as kind of a reference point for how we dive into the rest of the content, then really we can just all go home. Because what is the point of our Christian life if God doesn't have a purpose? We can all go home. And it puts, it puts this matter of Christ as the peace offering in the proper context. And it actually brings in an enlarged view of Christ as the, pre, as the peace offering and an increased appreciation of Christ as the peace offering. This matter that God has a heart's desire. He has a good pleasure. And we see that in the sipping of the, of the first verse. The good pleasure of his will. God is a God of pleasure. Have you ever considered that before? He's not just numb, like, man, I don't feel anything. Like, I don't want to experience being joyful. He's not like that. There's something called God's good pleasure. And God's will will bring him good pleasure. And actually, the book of Ephesians begins to unfold what God's good pleasure is, the details of it, and how we can participate and seeing and working that out. And so the next two verses, the Ephesians 1, 22 verse, and then the Ephesians 2 verse, that just gives us a little bullet point of what God is trying to accomplish for the satisfaction of his heart's desire, okay? He wants the church, which is the body of Christ, and he wants the one new man. He wants the church as his body, and he wants the one new man. Actually, the entity of the body of Christ and the entity of the one new man, it's the same thing, just looking at it from two different angles. It's just like you can take your phone, you can look at it from this angle, and you can look at it from that angle. Same phone, you get two different views, right? So we're looking at the church as the body, it's from this angle. The church as the new man is from that angle. This is what God wants to gain on the earth today. But here's the thing. God is working with a <laughs> he's working with a pretty complete mess. Think about it. He wants to gain the body of Christ, the one new man amongst humanity, but humanity is a mess. And that's what brings us to the next point, which addresses our problem and God's solution to the problem that he has that we have. 
Now, with Christ as the reality of all the offerings, he is the reality of those offerings. He's addressing one problem that we have after the next problem, after the next problem, after the next problem. For example, let's just do a quick recap. What was the first offering y'all got into this semester? Do you remember? The burnt offering. What did that tell us of Christ? Absolute for God. What problem does that solve on our behalf? We're not 100%. We're not! Right? Christ is the burnt offering. He's the only one that's ever lived absolutely for God. Now we're one with Him. We can experience Him. And now we no longer have to... We're not just stuck in our problem of not being absolute for God. We can take Christ as the, as the solution to our problem of not being absolute to God and then be absolute to God in Him and through Him. That's an example. What was the second offering y'all got into? Meal. The meal offering. So the meal offering is portraying Christ fine, balanced, perfect humanity mingled with divinity. Because you had the meal offering, it was, that, it was that cake, right? And that solved the problem of our corrupted, contaminated, fallen, rough, abrasive humanity. Imbalanced humanity. Amen. And you keep going one after one. Christ is the reality of the sin offering. That solves the problem of us being constituted sin. We are sin itself. He solves that problem as the sin offering. You keep moving. Christ is the reality of the trespass offering. That solves the problem of our sins and our conduct that separate us from God. So that He is the trespass offering. He removed those sins as far as the east is from, from the west so that we can brought, be brought back into fellowship with God in the dispensing of Christ into our being so He can make His home in our heart. Question. What problem does Christ as the reality of the peace offering, offering solve? That's what we come to. What problem do we have that Christ as the reality of the peace offering solves? We've got to look at the verses. Okay, everybody, let's read Romans 5.10a. Ready, go. And then Colossians 1.21, go. What's our, what's our real situation? Enemies. And the problem that enemies have is that there is no peace. This is the most serious problem to God, that he's working with a group of people who are his enemy. And out of enemies, he's got to form them, produce them, and that they would bring forth the body and the new man for the accomplishment of God's heart's desire. God has quite a situation on his hands. But that's why we have Christ as the, as the peace offering. Exactly. No peace. And so the thing is, you know, with sinners, sinners need redemption. They need justification. They need forgiveness. They need cleansing. But enemies need reconciliation, issuing, and peace. That's their need. And if you go to Romans 5.1, a tremendous verse addressing this matter, says, having been justified, we have peace toward God. Are you justified? Yes. 
Praise the Lord. All so right. am I. All right. Justified just means to be approved by God according to his standard of righteousness. That's what it means to be justified. Are you approved by God according to God's standard of righteousness? Well, if you have Christ, then yes. But the thing is, is that this verse only hits on a very small window of the peace that we're talking about. Having been justified, we have peace toward God. This peace is a personal peace between the individual believer and God. See what I mean, Malik? It's just personal. You believe in the Christ? You're no longer an enemy. Praise the Lord. You're a friend of God. You have peace toward God. However, the thing is, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to go from this view of peace, which most of the time is in our consideration of how's my peace with God? Am I at peace with God? To this view of peace, an enlarged view of peace. And we're going to see this with Christ as, as the peace offering. And you know, God, he, he ultimately does things when he acts. He ultimately does things for the accomplishment of his purpose. This goes back to point one. If his purpose was just to obtain a bunch of individual believers that have peace towards God, again, we can all go home. We can just be happy with Romans 5.1. For being justified, we have peace towards God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we can go home. But we saw in the verses in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, other verses in the Bible, they show us that what God wants is not a bunch of individual believers, boom, 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 that, are, that have peace towards in their relationship with God, but he wants a corporate entity composed of many different people from many different backgrounds, from many different races, from many different cultures, from many tribes, from many tongues, and he's working with them as a unit, as a complete unit, to produce them and bring them into the reality of the body of Christ and the one new man. Y'all see that? He doesn't want individual believers at peace with God. He's working with a group of people to gain a corporate entity so that God could have his expression through this group of people and so that God could exercise his authority through this group of people to deal with Satan and all the rest of the whack things out there. Okay? So, going back to the problem. So we, we saw in those verses that we're enemies, right? We're enemies, okay? And the reason that we're all enemies is because actually we've been injected with the nature of the enemy, Satan. That's why we're enemies. Because Satan has injected his, his enemy nature into our being to make us enemies. And not only that, and we'll see here in a little bit, but this matter of us being enemies, it's actually not only enemies to God, but even enemies toward one another. It's actually fostered and reinforced and institutionalized through culture. 
the way we're brought up, the language that we speak, the food that we like, what we grew up doing for our entertainment. It's even cultivated and reinforced through normal things like that. So Revelation 5.9, it says, Christ, he purchased by his blood men out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So you have these purchased ones, purchased with the, with the highest price, the precious blood of Christ, and they're made believers. They're brought into the kingdom of God. And now all these people with their race, with their culture, with their social class. God has to work with such a group of people to bring forth the one new man. You can see what a task that is. What a task that is. If you ever spent five minutes with somebody who's not like you, just it's, it's just doesn't feel that good, right? It's not that comfortable. And even worse, there can just be hostility and opposition, you know? I mean, just turn on the TV, you know? You have all these people that have been reinforced by culture and philosophy, and they're just at odds all the time, all the time. But out of these groups of people, God has purchased some with his precious blood. And he wants to form these ones into the one new man. And to deal with the problem of us being enemies, not only to God, but even toward one another, especially those who are different than us. Christ, as the solution to that problem, came as the reality of the peace offering. God solves all problems by the cross. That's what he does. And so we just been kind of painting this picture of this problem that we have of bringing a bunch of group of people who aren't like each other, causing a lot of problems. And God's um, solution to the problem isn't compromise. It's termination. That's why Christ had to go to the cross as the peace offering. Something had to be terminated. And that brings us to these Ephesian verse, verses here, which is the main bulk of what we're going to be diving into in the Word. Okay, how about let's all read through these together, and we're going to comb through these verses. I'm going to, I think I'm going to go through them one time. We're going to read them, and I'm going to comment on them one time, and then we're going to go revisit them and bring in some application. Okay? Really apply it to ourselves. All right, let's read these Ephesians verses. Ready, go. For he himself is our peace. He who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition in enmity, abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances, that he might create the two in himself into one new man, so making peace, and might reconcile both in one body through the cross, having slain the enmity by it. Okay, there's a there's some words that 
um, I don't think many of us are too familiar with, so I just listed a few of them right there. And so I want to give you guys a definition so that we all have a better understanding when we jump back into the verses. What is Paul talking about when he's elaborating on Christ as the peace offering here in these verses, okay? Partition. I don't think we're extremely unfamiliar with that, but here's a definition that I pulled off the internet. Something that divides. Something that divides. So write that down, please. Enmity. This is a big one. I don't think I ever heard heard this word until somebody showed me it in the Bible. Enmity. Y'all ready for this definition? Mm -hmm. The state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. I'll say it one more time. Enmity. The state or feeling of being actively opposed are hostile to someone or something. Everybody got that one? Good job. Fast writer. Excellent. Abolish. Okay, here's a definition. Formally put an end to. Formally put an end to. And I'm going to give you some synonyms that even add more flavor to this word. Annihilate. Annihilate. Eradicate. Terminate. So remember, have these words in your head when we go back to the verses, okay? Remember these definitions when we go back to the verses. It's going to help open up the word to it. Okay, and then ordinance. This word isn't used too often. It's kind of more of a a government word. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. And this definition is is kind of catered more to the context that Paul is using it in these verses, not like Merriam-Webster's dictionary, but kind of cater to the context of these Ephesians verses. Okay, ordinance. Ways and forms, okay, ways and forms of living and worship. Ways and forms of living and worship. And then if you if you do look at an official um, definition of ordinance. It's an authoritative order. Write that down. An authoritative order. Okay. Now I want to bring you guys' attention here. Some of the things that Paul is contrasting here. I just want you to look here at some of these words. Um, I want you to circle these words. In verse 14... Circle peace. It's just a contrast that Paul is making here. Peace. And then underline, broken down. Paul gets very descriptive on what the Lord is doing as the peace offering. Then circle enmity. So in that verse, Paul is contrasting peace and enmity. 15, underline abolishing. You got broken down. You got abolishing. And then at the end of 15, you have peace again showing up. Circle that. In verse 16, underline slain. Broken down. 
abolished, slain. Then underline enmity again. There it is. Okay, and then 17. You got peace again twice. So you see what Paul's diving into. There's this thing going peace and enmity, but you got abolishing and slaying and terminating and eradicating and breaking down. You're kind of getting a little bit of the feeling that Paul's kind of getting into with what Christ did on the cross as the peace offering. He's painting a wonderful picture of something pretty violent that the Lord did on the cross. Something pretty extreme. So, I want to take a little pause and I want to fill in the blank from the title. Okay? Experiencing Christ as the peace offering for... Does anybody want to take a guess? Yeah. The body of Christ. body of Christ. How are you guys doing out there? Y'all doing all right? Okay, cool, cool. All right. We're going back to the Ephesian verses, okay? Because these verses are just, there's just so much to unpack. We're going to brisk through them with a little commentary, and then I'm going to make it practical, all right? Okay, what's Paul talking about here? For he himself is our peace, that he there is Christ. All right? He who has made both one. Who's the both there that Paul is talking about? Does anybody know? Jews and Gentiles. Why was this an issue in Paul's day? Well, it was an issue because God originally had humanity to work with until they fell so much. And you see, like, the consummation of man's fall in Genesis 11 with Babel, ultimately rebelling to God. And then he calls Abraham out to produce the Jewish race as the, as the group of people that God is going to work, work with until Christ can come forth. But because God called out Abraham to make a new people, the Jews, there was this massive separation between Jews and Gentiles. They were totally different in their way of thinking, their way of living, their way of worship. So they had this massive divide between the two. So the both there is the Jews and the Gentiles, is what Paul's talking about. Christ is the peace offering, has made the Jews and the Gentiles one, and has broken down the middle wall of partition, the enmity. So he broke down what divided the Jews and the Gentiles. And even that partition that, that the Jews and the Gentiles were divided by, Paul even calls that the enmity. And, and you read the word, and you just see the hatred coming out between the Jews and the Gentiles. I mean, the whole Old Testament is about Gentiles trying to wipe out the Jews. It's just one nation after another after another trying to slay the Jewish people. And then you get all these kind of problems in the New Testament church between Jews and Gentiles. There's a real feeling of opposition between these two people. That's the enmity. Remember the feeling of being opposed or hostile against. Abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances. What is the law of the commandments and ordinances? Well, you go back to Exodus, read Exodus, read Leviticus, 
read Deuteronomy, and you'll see that God with his people, the Jewish people, he's basically describing to a T how in the world they're supposed to live and worship. It's so finely detailed. And those were the ordinances that God gave the Jewish people so that they would be separated. They would be uncommon. They would be peculiar to God and not like the common Gentile people. So that's what Paul's referring to here. That he might create the two in himself into one new man. There's the one, man, one new man. So making peace and, and might reconcile both in one body to God through the cross, having slain the enmity by it, and coming, and this is Christ coming in resurrection, he announced peace as the gospel to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Okay. Are y'all ready to get nitty gritty with these verses? Amen. All right. Some, some practical application to us today. All right. We're going to go back to the beginning. Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace. Peace is a person, brothers and sisters. You have to remember that. If you want peace in your life, you have to think personal because it's a person. He himself is our peace. Don't think that it's like, here, I'm going to be Jesus. Millie, Millie, you want some peace, man? Here you go, bro. Enjoy your peace, man. It's not like that. He himself is our peace, right, bro? Yeah, man. Peace, bro. Peace. Peace is personal. For he himself is our peace. He who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition, the enmity, abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances. Okay. Remember how we talked about God, God in Christ, he shed his blood and purchased people from every tribe, tongue, nation, race, social class, culture, all that stuff, and that's what he's working with to bring in the new man? Think about it. How many things from our culture, from the way we grew up, from what we look like, from the social class that we came from, Everything that's in all those details that are involved with each one of those points, how divisive they can be. How much hostility that can create. You just got to turn on the news and you see it. And the thing is, is that we carry those things around us wherever we go. But here we are as brothers and sisters that God has reached us in his mercy and saved us by his grace. And we've been brought to a place where he wants to produce us as the entity that will fulfill the desire of his heart. But we're coming in with all these things, all this baggage that conflicts with other people and the stuff that they bring in to God's kingdom. But what Christ as the peace offering does is that he took all those things and he broke it down on the cross. That middle wall of partition, 
that middle wall that divides people. Have you ever felt divided by somebody, man, even a brother, man, because they were different than you? Have you ever felt that before? I just, I just don't jive with this brother. Because he's not like me. Amen. That is... You know what I mean, Malik? You know what that is? That's the middle wall of partition in your being that you're bumping up into. But the reality of the situation is that middle wall has been broken down, my brother and sister. It's been broken down by Christ on the cross. And Paul, going into more detail of this breaking down, he abolished in his flesh. The Lord, as the God-man in the flesh, took that flesh, and he was nailed to the cross. And when the Lord was nailed to the cross, he was abolishing the law of the commandments and ordinances. He was terminating all the forms and ways of living and worshiping. Do you have your ways of living? For sure you do. Do I have my ways of living? For sure I do. Where did my ways of living come from? It came from how I was raised. It came from it comes from how I look. It comes from how I was educated. It comes from the culture that I was brought up in. That's the way that I live. But if I hold on to that way of living to where it's tightly in my grasp and I run into a brother that didn't grow up the way that I do, that doesn't look like me, that doesn't act like me, I am building up what Jesus Christ tore down. Christ died on the cross to break down the middle wall of partition. To abolish all the forms and ways of living that divide his people. But if I clench my grasp on my culture, how are you feeling, guys? You feeling a little rubbed the wrong way a little bit, maybe a little? Me too. Good. We're in this together. If I clench my fist around Trevor Walker, East Texan, <laughs> White Longhorn fan Methodist This music These books This way of praying This Bible version If I hang on to that and I get with other believers, there's the partition. There's that thing that I have built up that the Lord was nailed to the cross to break down. See that? It's serious, brothers and sisters. That's why we have a desperate need to experience Christ as the peace offering. Because Christ wants to gain the reality of his body on this earth. But we have to experience Christ as the peace offering 
the one who broke down the middle wall of partition, the one who abolished in his flesh all the forms and ways of living and worship so that he might have the one new man. So making peace. Just think about it, brothers and sisters. You are just enveloped in the experience and enjoyment of Christ as the peace offering. With the realization that that experience and enjoyment of Christ as the peace offering is for the body of Christ. And everywhere you go in getting with believers, whether it's in Texas, whether it's in California, whether it's in New Zealand, whether it's in Australia, why am I naming these places? Because I've been there. Australia, the United Arab Emirates, Germany, Switzerland, France, England. Everywhere you go, you are experiencing a peace that surpasses every man's understanding. Because you're utterly soaked and saturated with Christ as the peace offering, and you are in the reality of that broken down middle wall of partition. So that wherever you go, and every brother and sister that you contact, there's just the flow. There's nothing dividing. There's just the sweetness. There's just the harmony. There's just the compatibility. There's the oneness. Do you want that? I'm so tired of feeling just rubbed the wrong way by believers that are different than me. What does that mean I need? More experience of Christ as the peace offering. That's what it means for me. And if that's your situation, there's your solution as well. It's beautiful. Well, I kind of deviated off track a little bit about what I wanted to share as far as some examples, but I think a little something came out right there. Amen, Lord. Um, so I want to move on to point number three concerning our experience of Christ as the peace offering for his body. Okay, <clears throat> and I want to give you a couple of bullet points and then jump into the verses. The bullet points are kind of related to the verses, kind of not. But it's just something to put in your pocket to think about, to pray about, and to fellowship later, okay? All right. If you want what I'm talking about tonight, if you want to participate in bringing forth the reality of the body of Christ, bringing forth the reality of the one new man for the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose, a price is going to be required for all of us. It's not cheap. Because it's so valuable. One thing we need is a vision. We all need a vision of the one new man, the body of Christ. Proverbs, is it in 29, see Hall? Something about without vision, people cast off restraint. 23. We'll go with it, man. Sorry I don't have the reference. But 
It says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. What does that mean? If you don't have something guiding and directing you that you see before you that you want to go after and enter into, you'll do whatever you want. You'll do whatever you want. That's all we need to do. 29.18, clean. Thank you. Proverbs 29.18. So in addition to the vision... You have to make a decision uh, in here, uh, okay, before the Lord. Here, in your heart, all right, deep in here, okay? Not here, here, okay? I don't know how to describe it, but I think you know what I mean. Just in there, okay? Way down in there, okay? you got to make a decision that will... Well, this is the this is the decision, okay? Will we cling to what divides us, even though we may treasure it? The stuff the stuff I'm I'm talking about is not trash. The way you grew up that's not trash. Your education that formed your thinking and how you process information that's not trash. You needed that. But will we cling to it? Cling to what divides us. Because there's guarantee there's somebody else out there that didn't grow up like you, that doesn't think like you, that doesn't act like you, that doesn't like the same things that you do, doesn't like the food that you eat, that you like. Will we cling to that? Or will we lay our hands on Christ as the peace offering? with this realization and say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to allow you to work in me so I don't cling with a tight grip to what I look like, to how I think, the way that I live. And I'm going to give you a way to bring me into the reality of the one new man. And the Lord can do it because he's the peace offering. He can do it. He just needs a big amen, yes, Lord, and an opening in your heart. And he'll do it little by little by little by little. And you'll be able to look back six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. Say, Lord, I see how you've worked in my life. That brother, a year or two ago, that I didn't even want to go talk to because of what he looked like. I love him. And I'm very happy to see him at the ministry series, at the Bible study, in the cafeteria. This is real. Straight up, it's real. Okay. Woo, time is flying by. Okay, real quick. All right, that's a little bit of practical application. But these verses really bring in some more practicality concerning our experience of Christ as the peace offering. Colossians 3.15, that's what Paul says. And let the peace of Christ arbitrate in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let me show you what this looks like here, okay? All right. Here I am, okay? And... I had this way 
because of my upbringing of how I like to pray, okay? I like to pray this way, all right? I like to pray to the Father. I like to pray complete sentences. I don't like to pray loud. Um, and I like to pray with my thoughts collected and that makes sense in a cohesive way. That's how I like to pray, okay? I really, really like it. And everybody that I grew up with, that's how they did too. So it's just firmly ingrained in me. So then I get with relief. And, you know, we're in Seastock together. You know, we're in the Bible study. We're in the small group together. And there's time for first session small group at the beginning of the semester. We're going around praying. I get done with my nicely, you know, composed prayer to the Father. And then Malik does exactly the opposite of how I pray. He's like loud and saying incomplete sentences. And like he's all over the place. But he's really enjoying his prayer. And at that moment in my head, as Malik prays incomplete sentence after incomplete sentence after incomplete sentence, <laughs> something begins to grow in my, in my brain that is opposing and even hostile to the way that he's praying. Like, I'm just straight up not feeling this dude. Who is this guy and the way he's praying? You know what I mean? But there's Christ Amen. here. And he begins to rise up to arbitrate. Let the peace of Christ arbitrate. And he begins to speak. And he says, Trevor, is if you still hold on to, to the way you think Malik should pray, because you think that's the right way because you like it, I'm about to, as the peace of Christ, which is Christ's peace, I'm about to go way far away from you right now. And you're just going to be so frustrated that you're with this brother in this small group, and you got to listen to pray like this at the beginning of the small group, at the middle of the small group, and at the end of the small group. <laughs> or... Trev, will you let that go so that the peace of Christ will continue to be buoyant with you and rise up so that you can actually enter in to Malik's prayer and touch the spirit of his prayer so that you can actually enjoy me as Malik is praying. And if we say, yes, Lord, we're letting the peace of Christ arbitrate. And then what is it? Let the peace of Christ arbitrate in your heart, to which, that which there is the peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ arbitrate in your hearts, to the peace of Christ also you were called in one body. So in addition to experiencing the peace of Christ arbitrating here, within, if we let that arbitration happen, by the peace of Christ, we enter in into the peace of the body, which is a whole nother level of peace. So that's just a quick example of our experience of the arbitrating peace of Christ, allowing him to have the final say, allowing him to have the last word, allowing him to be enthroned and make the final decision to bring us into more peace, which is the peace of the body of Christ.
And then finally, with these verses here in 1 Corinthians 12, I'll read them real quick quick and be done. But our comely members have no need, but God has blended, you've got to circle blended, but God has blended the body together, giving more abundant honor to the member that lacked, that there would be no division, you've got to circle, no division in the body. That means no middle wall of partition. That means the forms and ways of living and worship are abolished. That means the enmity has been slain. No division in the body. But that the members would have the same care for one another. Okay, blending. God has blended the body together. My brothers and sisters, you need to go on blending trips. And if you don't know what that is, talk to your neighbor. They very well might have been on one. Okay? It's where you go somewhere else and spend time with other believers in another place that most likely will not be like you. Okay? Amen. That brings us into the blending, which brings us into the reality of the one new man, which also fosters and facilitates our experience of Christ as the peace offering. All right? Blending. And then I want to give you guys one last verse to finish, okay? This is 2 Thessalonians 3.16. This is my prayer for all of us as the message concludes. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace continually in every way. And with that, I'm done. So I think let's do this for three to four minutes. Just gather around in small groups with the people around you. Have a quick little fellowship, follow up fellowship on the message, and then we'll see what we do after that. Okay? So just group up in small groups, just have a little fellowship about the content.